You're about to listen to a weekly podcast from Lifted with Pastor Sean. For more of what Lifted is doing, visit liftedchurch.org. So I just want to start off by saying I am so honored to get to be here with y'all that um, just, I'm going to cry, but I'm not really, because, but to see Sean and Donna all grown up, and I know they're maybe a little more than grown up, but, <laughs> but to me, they were kids. You know, and to see them doing this and planting is the most fantastic experience you can have. It, it has the good, the bad, and the ugly all combined. <laughs> but you as a core will grow so tight and so close together. And there's such a sense of community. And so you're in for a great, great time as you guys do the mission. You're doing the mission. You're reaching out. You're telling people about Jesus. You're outreaching. That's at the heart of everything they've said. You know, at the very heart of that is all outreach and reaching people. And, you know, people need to be reached. So um, so it's an honor for me. So thank you, Sean and Donna, for entrusting me with that. And I'm really, really excited. So I'm going to start off with just telling you how I got into mission work. So it's kind of a funny story. Do you guys like to laugh? Like, can I just be, like, totally, like, just honest and... Whatever, I just let it all hang out, right? Okay, so, because, you know, I'm not really that shy or quiet, and I pretty much just tell all my stuff. <laughs> I like being authentic. Don't you guys like that? Like, I just want people to like who I am. I just want to be who I am and be the best me I can be with Jesus. So, um, but I started going to missions. The Lord had woke me up off and on for months crying about Africa. I think one time I saw, like, one of those commercials where the babies were, like, the big stomachs and they were starving and, you know, and so it just like hit me and I started praying for Africa and I'd wake up crying in the middle of the night and I was like, I don't know why I have this going. I don't know anybody in Africa. Like I had no connection at all. And so um, one day somebody walks into the church and he says, um, hey, I'm, I'm looking for people that want to go to Kenya. And I'm like, I want to go to Kenya. That's me. You came here for me. You know, like I'm all excited, right? Like I'm like, oh, I mean, I, I, I literally couldn't sleep for like 48 hours. I was just like, I can't believe God brought that guy from Kenya because he was a Kenyan, brought him here to invite me to go to Kenya. And so anyway, the story gets a little more downer as I go on. But <laughs> but so I went to Kenya um, kind of really not really knowing what to expect. And this guy was kind of our tour. Well, um, when we get there, so we paid in advance for things. And when we get there, uh, <laughs> it's not really funny, but it is kind of funny. You know, they tell us, oh, we paid and the guy ran off with your money. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so does that mean I have to pay again? And they're like, well, yeah, if you want a car, well, um, have, if you see the matatus there, the people literally are hanging out the windows. Like, they're so packed. Or you could take the matatus. I'm like, I don't think so. We'll pay again. You know, and so kind. we had a really great experience, but it turned out that um, the guy that invited me, uh, that invited us, and we took a team of, like, 11 people, he really was ripping us off. <laughs> he was kind of stealing our money. It was like a kind of a thing. And so, but what I want you to get is we stayed in this lodge and I met this woman who was doing and is doing amazing work in Kenya. She is saving lives of women. She saw all these kids that were orphans and everybody was building orphanages. And she said, why don't we save the moms? Why are we letting the moms die and, and then doing orphanages? 
let's save the moms. And so um, she cares for these mothers. And then that the next thing started was, you know, then she's talking to me over the dinner table because we're staying at the lodge and she's telling me that girls don't get to stay in school and that, you know, they get traded for cows. And once it, it's determined they're not staying up to grade level, they just get, it's horrible what happens to them. Horrible. And anyway, and I'm just like weeping and crying and talking to her and just like, oh, oh. and then, you know, I, I finally I realized, I think this guy's stealing from us. <laughs> but isn't it funny how God turns all things to the good? See, I would never say that was a bad thing. I would say that was exactly what I needed to get me where I needed to be. You see, we have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes things don't look like they're working out. Sometimes you're like, what the heck? What's going on here? I think this guy's stealing from us. But then when you see, when you get through to the other side, you realize God was positioning. God was bringing destiny. And destiny sometimes is uncomfortable in places. I have a friend that says, uh, it's hell in the hallway. Do you guys know what that means? Like, you know, you'd be going, oh, sorry, maybe I shouldn't have cussed. <laughs> so, you know, when you're going somewhere, sometimes you're stuck in the in-between place. You know, it's kind of, it's hell there. But when you get, you open that door and all of a sudden you step into destiny and you're like, oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. So uh, fast forward, I went every year to Kenya. I was in love with it. I used to say, God, how can I love something so much? But I, I can only go once a year. This just is so hard. And the women, I would leave and the women would cry and they would say, oh, please come back, Mama Debbie. Please come back, Mama Debbie. And I'd be like, I will next year. You know, I mean, I just feel so terrible. And uh, and then, but God knew. See, he knit my heart together with that and connected me with this organization, this humanitarian organization doing all this amazing work. And then, all of a sudden, I was in a big transition. <laughs> and I realized that all of that was to place me so that they would, when they would hear about the transition I was in, they would say, would you, would you come work for us? And all of a sudden, I'm getting to live my dream. I'm getting to help people. I'm getting to make a difference with the place that my heart beats for. And so that's my story about how God turns all things to the good and, and how sometimes getting us positioned in the right place is a process. And you wonder, what on earth, what does this all mean? But when you get there, all of a sudden you look back and you go, wow, that's what God was doing. So I just want to give you a quick, some quick statistics on what Heart does, just real quick. So 16 years, 154,000 girls kept in school. You know how much it keep, cost us to keep a girl in school? $10 for a year. $10 for a year. It's crazy. Um, 6,945 orphans and vulnerable children served. That's uh, taking care of kids that have HIV AIDS. That's um, making sure that kids have food. That's feeding programs. That's preschools. That's all sorts of things to give these kids every advantage they need. Uh, 297 mothers with HIV AIDS who have gone through a two-year program that we've established with their own business. We bought them a home so they're no longer slaves to the tyranny of a slumlord. And, um, and we've taught them how to run a business. So they're self-sustaining. They continue it. And then they train other women that come behind them in the program. So, and then 2,760 children provided with solar lamps because, I want you to get this, we all, I mean, let's talk about third world for a minute. These kids walk an hour and a half to get to school, walk an hour and a half back home, have to do chores. Many of them don't have any shoes on. 
They have to do chores. By the time it's time to do homework so they can stay good in school, it's dark. So we provide solar lamps. That's one of our newest projects. And then um, 203,000 children protected from malaria by treated prevention nets that our women make. So they're making them, we're buying them, and we're giving them to the kids. So it's just so, it's so amazing. And so that's what I do. Um, and that's my heart for missions. And I hope you'll join me in, in some of this because even if you give just a little bit, you're making a huge difference. If you post it onto Facebook, you're making a huge difference, you know. And especially a lot of you are very young. You know, you have the power to really that peer-to-peer -peer stuff. I'm telling you, most of the people that I know are, they can't even figure out how to give online. But that's the, that's the thing, you know, and you guys are going to be able to show them, hey, you can just give $10 and you're going to be able to help these girls, you know, so I hope you'll, you'll grab a hold of that. But let's pray and I'll get started. Now you know a little bit about me, not much because I'm saving it for the women's conference. <laughs> <laughs> but let me, um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you so much that you do work all things to the good. That no matter what we're facing, no matter what it looks like in that in-between place, Lord, you have purpose and destiny in our hearts and in our lives. And it's already, it's already determined. You see the end from the beginning. And so, Lord, we just thank you that we can trust you and that um, we'll be activated to do what you call us to do, Lord, to pick up a cause, to reach others with the hope that only you can give. And so we love you, ask you just to fill my mouth with your words, Lord, and just let it be something that brings transformation to all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to kind of, I'm going to, you guys care if I don't read it straight from Scripture? I'm going to share a story with you. Um, I'm going to kind of ad-lib it, but you can go to it. It's Mark 5. <clears throat> and we're going to start, um, I'll give you kind of a, it's the demon-possessed man. How many know this story? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's this crazy guy, like crazy. He's demon-possessed. He, in some versions, it says maniac. He's been shackled. He doesn't have any clothes on. I mean, try to imagine what he looks like, you know, like on your worst hair day. You know, his hair's just like never been washed. He's been like off, off. He's, he's isolated. Nobody will have anything to do with him. He's crazy. He screams and yells at everybody. Um and he's he's broken free of his chains now try to imagine that like he's so crazy he can like superman it right out of the chains he's like blah you know <laughs> and yet he's he's walking around in these tombs in these graveyards and um he sees jesus and i think this is so interesting um he sees jesus in the distance and he runs to him and he falls down and he worships him now He's crazy. He's a maniac. But yet something in him is drawn to Jesus. Just like something in you draws people. Because Jesus is in you. Jesus in you draws people. So anyway, so, you know, he runs to Jesus and he starts worshiping him. And uh, I'm going to kind of do the short version here. So he starts worship, worshiping him and Jesus speaks over him and heals him. Now, I don't know if you guys ever feel like a maniac. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had some serious bad hair days. Um, you know, or you felt like you were shackled to something. You couldn't break free of something. 
I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have moments like that. I have times like that, seasons like that, where I'm like, oh, I can't get a grip on my brain. You know, I can't can't get control over things or whatever. Um, so he has this interaction, and he, and Jesus asks him, you know, demons, who are you? And they say, how scary is this? We are legion. I'd be like, <laughs> creepy. I mean, like, that's like the worst horror movie you can see, you know. And then D- Jesus just cast the demons out into the pigs, and the pigs go running off a cliff. So, and then this is the best part. So the people that were tending the pigs probably weren't that happy because they were their livelihood, right? Like, they're, like, all pissed off, like, what the heck just happened here? That's our whole livelihood, just gone off the edge of a cliff. But it says the people came back, and they saw the man who had been possessed. I can't cry right, and that if you see tears leaking out of my eyes, it's only because there's, like, a thing going on with my eyes right now. <laughs> But I am a little emotional. Um, (laughs) So this is what it says. This is verse um, something. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. So I want you to see what Jesus did for him. Sitting there, dressed, Jesus clothed him, clothed him in righteousness. Anybody ever felt like you were completely exposed and you needed to run to Jesus? You needed his covering. So here he is. Now he's clothed in his right mind. Anybody ever like lose it so bad you're like, I, I, I can't even bring it, I can't even rein it back in. You know, like, whoo, what am I going to do right now? <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, Sean. <laughs> but here is the peace of God demonstrated that Jesus brought peace into his mind. He's sitting there in his right mind. This man who had been crazy all his life. <laughs> And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because he knows, he knows what Jesus has just done for him. But he's done it for all of us. If we've accepted Jesus Christ, he's clothed us in righteousness. He's transforming and giving us a right mind. It's some of us it takes longer, but (laughs) he's transforming our minds. And we can step right into the presence of the Lord. He's given us that bridge, that ability to just say, you know what, Jesus, this situation is chaos. I need you right now. I need you right now. So then I want you to look down at verse 18. And Jesus is now leaving and he's getting into the boat because people are kind of pissed off about the whole pig thing. You know, and he's like, oh, I guess, I'll, you know, I don't know if that's why he's leaving, but he's leaving. Um, I'm thinking that's why I would be leaving. All these people with pitchforks and they're mad about their pigs. I mean, I don't know. Um, and he's getting into the boat and the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. How many of us beg to stay with Jesus? 
Just, uh, Lord, I don't want to have to go out and be around people. I don't want to have to go apologize to those people. I just want to stay right here with you. I know you forgive me. I don't want to have to go invite someone to church. I don't want to have to. You know what? We just want to stay where it's comfortable, right? We just want to have our little holy huddle. And, you know, I bring a few safe people in. and We just have a good thing going. And we'll just do our thing. And, you know, let's just stay comfortable and close to Jesus right now, right? You think Jesus, you'd think, oh, he'd go, oh, that's so nice. He wants to be with me. Sure. He doesn't do that. This is what he says. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He didn't take even the glory. I mean, he's like, you know, go home, tell it. See, here's the thing. Jesus has done the same thing in every single one of our lives. I've blown it. He's forgiven me. He's covered me with the righteousness. I've known I was forgiven. I've, I've had a crazy brain and he's brought peace into it. I've been in chaotic situations where it felt like there was a legion. I will just be honest. <laughs> but he speaks into that. But he doesn't do it so that we can all just be like, oh, okay, yay, okay, let's come to church tomorrow and talk about it. No, he does it and says, go and tell the world. Go and tell your family and friends. They need to know that I have changed you. And we're all changed. If we're not being changed, we need to really, you need to check up from the neck up. We're called to move from glory to glory. That means changing, transforming, becoming more and more like Christ. So <laughs> I love that story and I love the, th I, I've never seen it in view of missions. And this time when I read it, I was like, oh, boom, that's like perfect. That's like perfect because listen, we're all in different places. Maybe you have small kids, you can't travel to Kenya. Or maybe your kids are all grown and you can. Maybe God's calling you to talk to your neighbor. Maybe God's calling you to share your faith at work, even though it's uncomfortable. And I know we don't like to be uncomfortable. We all like it all to be like planned out and perfect. And it just doesn't work like that. So did Jesus just preach the gospel or did he live it? He lived it. He was the gospel. He lived it. He demonstrated it in everything he did. He was the living word. And so we are told to go. Told to go. Yet, what do we do? Mm, I don't know. They might think I'm weird. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Are you going to be the one talking to people? Because as long as you're the one talking, I'll just kind of walk behind you. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's the truth. You know, we all get kind of caught up. But we all are called to your community, where your influence is, your family. But we're also all called to the world. That calling is, um, is to both. And so uh, this is the commandment. You know, this is the whole, the Great Commission. And, uh, and I think I have the message. Yeah, is it the message? Matt, uh, Matthew 28, 19. And so Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this. 
day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. I love it in the message. Day after day after day until the end of age. You want to have Jesus with you? Hey, you share the gospel. He's all about that. (laughs) He will be with you. He will empower you. He will give you what you need. He will fill your mouth with the words you need. But guess what? You have to open your mouth. You have to be willing. You have to say, I care more about what God is asking me to do than I do about what people will think about me. (laughs) Jesus did not command the whole world to go to church. I'm going to step on some toes. It's important. You need to. But Jesus commanded his church to go to the world. Jesus commanded his church to go to the world. And we get all caught up in our feeling good, let's all be together. And you need that. You need to come together. But but not so you can come together and, and just all, you know, do your holy huddle and it's all great. No, you come together so you are empowered and strengthened so that you can go into the world and tell them about Jesus. In John 20, 21, Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. So who do you think he was talking to? The church, to his church, you, even you, you, he was talking to all of you, you know, he's saying, hey, I've called you, I've commissioned you. When you became the carrier of the spirit of God, that was your commissioning. He gave you the seed and he said, I believe in you. You're amazing. Exactly the way you are. I created you for this moment because you can reach someone that that person can't and you're waiting on that person to do it, but I want you to do it now. I've put you there. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do you do it? A little bit different for all of you? Are you doing it? Long quiet pause. (laughs) We have to do it full of the fruit of the Spirit, being full of love. Here's the thing. When we reflect on what the Lord has done for us, and he's done a lot for every single one of us, don't? And trust me, if you, you don't feel like it's been that much, it will be eventually. Because when you get old like me, you're like, oh, he kept me through a lot of stuff. (laughs) He has done so much that we, it should be hard to contain that if we're genuinely thinking about it all the time, about how thankful we are, about how much love he's shed upon our hearts and our lives, about the change he's made in us, about the people he's surrounded us with. Those things are all, should just be bubbling and giving us fire in our belly. Anybody else in here ever get like fire in your belly? You're like, Man, God is good. I got to share that. I can't believe it. But then what do we do? Um, But I don't know. I'm not weird or awkward. I better not say anything. I'm just saying, I maybe not you guys, but I know some people do. Um, John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you shall go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So full of love means to be full of faith. It means to be full of faith, to be so full of the goodness of God, to be so connected to the vine, right? He's giving this illustration of of, uh, being connected to the source, 
be so full of those things that it just comes out. That as you study God's word and then you do God's word, because how many of you know, sometimes we can get it up here, but we're not really putting our hands to any plow. It's just like, oh yeah, I know all that, but you know, I know. And then we get in conversations with, we want to argue intellectual things. And I'm just, when I see that, I just want to go, stop it. Just, just do something. You don't need to argue about it. Just do something. Just do something. God didn't say, you know, oh, go take your theological stand and make everybody bow to it. He said, go and share the gospel. Keep it simple. Keep it, you know, in this realm. So when we do that, when we absorb God's word, when we come together, when we study, when we spend time in the word daily, and then when we do it, do it. Just really do it. Do what it says. Believe it for what it says. There's so many promises in scripture, not that it's going to be all perfect all the time, but that you can believe and be encouraged and have hope from, and that you can be activated by, because if the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, and then we're just like, well, I don't know what that means, so I guess, but I know that verse. I can quote that scripture, oh, you know, do unto others, you know, all that, you know, we, 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 we know what to say, but are we doing it? Are we loving our neighbors as ourselves? Because I just want to be honest. We really love ourselves a lot. You don't ever not feed yourself when you're hungry. You make sure you have clothes on your back, right? You take care of yourself, but now you're, you're supposed to actually take care of others like that. That's why all these things that you guys are talking about doing where you just go out and help people or, you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. And that's what really this new, new generation, you guys you got to do that. You got to do that. You got to share. You got to meet the needs of people. You've got to find ways to build a bridge into someone's heart. You know, if I don't have any clothes and I'm homeless and you come up, and start preaching Jesus to me, like just rah, 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 you need to Jesus and you're lost. And uh, but if you come up to me and you look at me with love and you show me the love of Jesus, then you have a bridge into my heart. Then you can say, here's some clothes, here's some food. Can I share Jesus with you? Guess what? Yeah, you can. You've earned the right to because you're not preaching at me. You're doing an action of love. Does that make sense? Okay. So I think the world needs authentic love. I think all this fakey, fakey stuff and, you know, just a bunch of words, I don't think it's going to work to reach the rest of the world. I don't think it's going to work as time goes on. Um, and so I hope that, especially those of you that are young. So did kind of all the young people end up over here? What happened right now? Oh, yeah, sorry, Jason. <laughs> anyway, but I hope that you'll, you'll receive that mantle, that commission, and you'll be true to it. You'll be true to it, to be authentic, to be real. People need authentic they don't need people preaching at them. They need love in action and authentic hearts that are willing to be vulnerable and say, man, I struggle with that same thing. I know. God is forgiving me for that, and I'm working on that. But yeah, I know exactly where you're at. I struggle with that same thing. You see, people need to hear that. Otherwise, you know what we do? This is what we all do. Oh, they all are perfect. I guess I don't really fit in, or I'll just never tell them my secrets because, you know, they're all so great. No, let's just all be real. We're not so great. You know, we're okay. Sometimes we're great. A lot of times we're just like broken, messed up people. It's a messy world. 
We got to be authentic about it. People need authenticity. That's how we're going to change the world. Action and authenticity. So I personally think we're living in a, living in a season of spiritual drought. I know California is, I guess, supposedly still in a drought. It's rained almost every single day that I was in California. I don't really understand how we're in a drought, but, um, but I think there's a spiritual drought. I think people need refreshing. I think they need hope. I think they need authenticity. You know, in America, everyone is full on the fat of the land. Do you know what I mean? Oh, they're full on the watching TV. They're full on, you know, whatever, all the great food, which by the way, you know, hardly any of the world gets all that great food. They're full of technology. They're full of all the things that we fill our lives with, but they're not full of the Lord. They're not full of the spirit because someone's not doing their job to tell them that Jesus actually satisfies. (laughs) Remember the woman at the well and Jesus said, you know, this living water, if you drink of, you'll never thirst again. But our world is so, it's like such a famine that we're just filling ourselves with all sorts of stuff. And we got to make room. You got to clean stuff out and allow the Holy Spirit to overflow you so that you're splashing, you know, like you're like, whoa, let me tell you about Jesus. Ooh, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, you got to get that out there. You know, we're hungry for power more than we're hungry for the Lord. We're hungry for money more than we're hungry for the Lord. We're hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're like spiritual anorexics. And we think we're doing better than, I mean, I'm just being honest. You know, like we get kind of like, hey, I, I do pretty good. I read my Bible a couple times a week. I, you know, I, I go to church. You know, we think we've got it good, but I just want you to hear my heart. It can always be better. You can be better. You can be better and more in love with Jesus than you've ever been. But you have to spend time with him. You know, I don't, you know, you, you don't, you don't meet a girlfriend and then never see her and think you're boyfriend and girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how you fall in love with someone. You fall in love with someone by spending time with them. Anyway, that's off topic and not in my notes. Freebie. Um, <laughs> you know, this really shocked me. So I'm going to give you a statistic. And well, I'll, t- I'll see. You guys tell me. How many Christians do you think share, what percentage do you think share their faith? Do you think 5%? Anybody else? I should have brought a prize or something. Anybody else? Come on, just guess. There's no, I mean, there is a right, but just guess anyway. What do you think? Oh, did somebody tell you? Oh, shoot. (laughs) Jason, now your thumb's down. What happened? Oh, all right. Yes. 2%. 2%. That's pretty funny. <laughs> is, it, is that shocking to you guys? But yet, I want you to think, last week, who did you share your faith with? Besides other Christians. Oh, I like to talk about my faith. Oh, in my holy huddle, where it's safe and comfortable, and I'm with all the other people that believe the same as me. That's not reaching the lost. That's not reaching the world. They're already reached. They got it. Let's move on. Let's, let's come together. Let's get empowered. Let's get strengthened. Let's get excited. And then, boom, let's blow up the world. Start telling other people. Start doing love. Start living love. So, 
I think that's a really scary statistic. <laughs> so back to the Great Commission. So he tells them to go into the world. So I want you to imagine this. Jesus is with the, he's been with the disciples. First of all, he's come back from the dead. Like, you know, oh, yeah, holes in my hands. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of crazy, right? Like you're like eating fish with him. Oh yeah, that's really cool. I mean, he's, and then he gives them this commission. This is the last thing he says to them. Like, listen, go into all the world. Tell everyone. And he's like, okay. And then he's floating. He's going. I, I, I don't even get it. Like, I know in our minds we think he's on a cloud. Like, ooh, I'm on a cloud. But I don't, that doesn't seem right to me for some reason. But he's going up to heaven, right? So what do you think the disciples did? They did it. They went. Mark 16, 20 says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. There's that again. Lord worked with them. They didn't do it alone. I know sometimes it can seem scary. I'm scared of things all the time. I, I talked at church this morning. I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, I was just terrified. And then, you know, but we you have to be bold. Do it in your style. Don't be... Uh, be unique, but don't be weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, have you ever gone to the courthouse and there's guys out there like screaming into a box and they're like, and you're like, and you're like, oh man, I, that's weird. <laughs> On the other hand, if you're stuck in the line, you can just start talking to someone, you know? Oh, how are you today? Because basically they're like feeling like they're really boo because I'm at the courthouse standing in a big old long line, you know? But what a great opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with someone and just be like, what are you here for? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, or, you know, if you're a guy, oh, I'm sorry about that, dude. You know, you just kind of give it your own twist. You know who, what you're like. You know, you just give it your own twist and you let them talk because, you know, people want to talk. They want to share what's going on in their lives most of the time. Rarely do I ever approach someone and talk to someone that they don't actually open up and talk to me. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen, but who cares? If I don't try, I'll never know who would open up. You know, I've sat beside someone on the plane before that had earphones in. Like, that's the clear sign. I don't want to talk to you. And I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. But guess what? By the end of the conversation, I was leading them to the Lord. Because you take the time. There might be some things that don't work out, and someone might be a, you know, uh, 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 someone might be a jerk. Um, <laughs> shoot, I was so stuck for a second. I'm like, I don't think there's any good way to say that. Anyway, they might be a jerk, but so what? You're, you're being obedient. So here's the thing. We need an epidemic of obedience. We need an epidemic of obedience. See, when we don't share the gospel, we're actually being disobedient. We're actually being disobedient. See, those disciples, they went out and they did it. And it changed the world. It changed the world. But it has to keep going. It has to keep going. If you're old like me, you can remember the VO5. Was it VO5? Like, and keeps going and going. Was it VO5? I've tried to remember what it was. But it was a shampoo, shampoo commercial. Oh, you know, one pretty girl after another washing her hair. And then, you know, and keeps going and going. And then another girl and another girl and another girl. I don't even remember what the point of the commercial was. Um... <laughs> but anyway, but you know, that's, that's kind of the way the gospel is. That's the design that God had 
to get the gospel to everyone. And then somewhere along the line, we kind of went, uh, who cares about Africa? Who cares about Africa? They're third world, starving and dying on the sides of the road. Girls are getting traded for cows. That is not God's heart. He doesn't want these girls to get married off when they're 13 years old. That's not God's heart. Who will stand up for the injustices and show love in the situations and put love in action? You see, that's God's heart. He didn't ever mean for us to just become complacent and just, I like church. And I, I'm not saying you don't, shouldn't come to church. I'm saying it should, it's to send you out. It's to come here and be sent wherever you're meant to go right now, whatever your calling is right now in this moment. So I guess the question is, what is stopping us? What stops us? I want you to think for a minute about where is your closest mission field? Where's your closest mission field right now? Who are you around a lot that you know they're not saved, that you can minister to? What's your closest mission field? Where do you have the influence right now? Where's your influence right now? And I'm telling you, it requires doing something uncomfortable. God did not call us. Jesus doesn't give us this like, ooh, yay, it's going to be wonderful, and you're never going to be uncomfortable, and everything's going to be perfect. I am, yeah, it doesn't work out like that all the time. That's not how it is. He said, in this world, you will have much tribulation. (laughs) He says, to count your persecutions all joy. I mean, who, what? That doesn't even make sense. When you read it, you're like, what? How can you do that? Okay, I want to be obedient. I guess I'll try. And then you say, you know, nevertheless, I'm going to keep praising you, Lord. This is hard. It's hell in the hallway. But I know there's purpose and destiny. I know, just as I started, Romans 8, 28, that you're going to turn it all around, and I'm going to see the fulfillment of what you called me to do. Does that make sense? So now I want you to do something else. Do you, got, you guys got paper? I know you're, oh, honey, you're so cold. You Come sit over here. <laughs> I want you, if you have something around, I want you to write five people you can think of that you could reach out to. Five people, not church people. <laughs> people that you know don't really know Jesus. Or maybe they think they do. Maybe they have like a form of godliness, but you're like, oh, you haven't really encountered, you haven't encountered my Jesus because my Jesus makes you crazy in love with him. My Jesus, you know, transforms me. My Jesus, I want to share about. Um, because some people just, you know, go to church to go to church. It's not like they're, they're not passionately in love with Jesus. But see, you can be the one that shows them there's another way. Does that make sense? I remember one time someone asked me um, before I was saved, are you a Christian? I said, well, of course I am. I'm from Texas. And I was so puzzled by the question that I went home and started thinking, did he think I was a Jew? Like, uh, do you think I was Jewish? Like, I, I got blonde hair. Like, I was, I remember I was just so puzzled by it. But you know what? It put a seed in my mind. And I started thinking, am I a Christian? What does that mean? And then I watched, you know, I flipped through the channels and I ran across, uh, what was the guy that had the Crystal Cathedral? Um what's his name? Uh, well, it doesn't matter. But anyway, you know, I, and I was like enthralled because I'm like, I think this is what it means to be a Christian. You know, like he's talking and I'm like, I've never really thought about any of this, you know, and I'm like, wow. And so then something else happened that made me think about it. And then something, you know, because God was chasing me, but he had to use somebody. Do you see? He's using people. You are just the tool that the Lord uses. That's what he wants. You know, he wants to be able to use you 
as a tool to reach people. So, everybody have their list of five people? Good job. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> so, I wrote down here, again, I've already said it once, but I'll say it again. Be unique, but not weird. It is the love of God that draws people to repentance. Be sure you are full of the love of God, and it will automatically draw people. Then open your mouth. Go and tell the world, but please, no screaming. <laughs> Again, I'm just thinking of that guy that's always, when I have to go pay a ticket or whatever, he's always there screaming at everybody. I'm like, oh, I'm not with him. <laughs> he's in a different group. Um, but I want you to also think about these three things. Your time, your talent, your treasure. You have all three. How are you spending it for the Lord? You guys are about to embark on a really exciting new journey. Some of you may be young. You might not have a whole lot of treasure to help out, but you have time. You have muscle, and it's going to take a lot of muscle moving things in and out. <laughs> you have talent. Look at Jason over there using all his talent to create this great thing, and, and you know, just, and, and then he did mess up one time. But... <laughs> <laughs> he showed you the statistics before I got to it. Um, but you have talent you can give. You have talent. Each of you have a gift, a talent God has given you. You know, Donna's singing. That's her talent. She spends it on the Lord. She spends it freely. She doesn't hold back. And what treasure do you have that you can give? That you can give to help women and children in Kenya? You know, what, what's, what spheres of influence do you have that you can, you know, you can spread the word. I need help. It's just a bunch of old people where I work. Like they don't know how to spread the word. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're wonderful. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying they're like, when I did a thing, like how many in here is over 60, like 80% of the people were like, I'm like, oh, no wonder they can't do the online giving. You know I mean? They just, uh, I just write you a check and mail it. I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway. You need to be obedient to the Lord. What is he calling you to do? Where is he calling you to spend your time, your talent, your treasure? See, my calling is different than yours. I'm going to go Kenya. I'll be back, and then I'll go again, and, and, and I'm going to pour my life out there because I believe in what's happening there and because there's not enough... I live, I live like a millionaire, like a tr billionaire compared to how they live there. You know, I see these kids with bottles tied to their feet so they can walk through the dump so they can eat. I, oh, I, I can't, I could go on forever. But anyway, but what is it God's calling you to spend your time, your treasure, and your talent on? So, I just want us to, um, can we all stand up? You know, I believe a lot of times it takes an action to solidify. Thank you. It takes an action to solidify something. Like the Lord is saying, hey, don't just sit there and go, mm, yeah, I'll probably do that. I might do that. Yeah, I'm going to do that. 
and you're talking back and forth in your head with the Lord. Does anybody do that? Like I talk back and forth. Oh, I don't want to go up there. Uh, oh, oh, I don't know. And, and we're not going to go up because there's nowhere to go up to. We're just all going to get, you know, crazy in here. <laughs> Here's what I want you to think about. Did, did you make a list of five people? Yes. Will you be obedient to that list? Will you invite them to church once you get to know them? Like, that's not the first thing. Don't like just, they'll put up a wall. If you're like, oh yeah, you want to come to my church? No. You know, but befriend them, love them in a tangible way and watch. And when the time is right, you invite them. You invite them into the presence of the Lord. You lead them to the Lord. You invite them to church. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll talk to you. He loves you. He wants to tell you what to do. Like he wants you to lean on him. And then think about your time, your talent, your treasure. And I would just ask right now that you guys would just, if you would say right now in this minute, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. I'm thinking about this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm intentionally going to live with that in my mind. How can I spend my life? How can I pour it all out for the Lord with my time, my talent, my treasure. If I can't go, who will I send? Who will I feed into? Who will I support? If my mission field right now is my kids, then Lord, I commit. I am going to do the best job I can. So will you just raise your hand if that's you? You would say that? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So we're going to sing We the Redeemed. And uh, I want you to think about yourself as that maniac crazy shackled guy in that Jesus story that I think is so powerful. You have been set free. You are the redeemed of the Lord. The Lord has given you everything you need and he's growing you and you're moving from glory to glory. So will you sing this with just a passion and abandon that the Lord deserves? Amen. At Lifted, we're all about being called, relevant, true, and passionate. We hope this message impacts you. And if you want to know more or get involved, email us at connect at liftedchurch.org. Thanks for joining us. And God bless.